0: Coming up on this podcast, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Hockey? Boxing? Baseball? Oh, wait, I have an idea. Game seven, Celtics Bucks. That's next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game, pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right, the hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress there's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players' rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chess and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store or Google Play. We're also brought to you by The Ringer Podcast Network we have a new rewatchables coming Monday night and it is one of the biggest movies we've ever done. Time perfectly because there is an off day of basketball on Monday night. So we'll have that for you. Be ready. I'm not telling you what the movie is, but you've seen it. I'll tell you that. Also in the ringer podcast network, we'll be talking about uh we own this city on the prestige TV podcast at some point, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere in that range. And then, we will be having a ton of uh, lottery stuff coming on Tuesday night as well because the NBA lottery is Tuesday night. Ringer NBA show will be covering it. I think maybe even doing a Spotify Live as it's happening. And then I will be uh, doing a podcast that night as well. Also coming off Celts Heat Game 1. So stay tuned for that. Coming up on this podcast, that is Part 1. Russell and I are going to talk about Buck Celtics Game 7 Part 2 Sun's Mavs coming much later tonight after Sun's Mavs, and we'll talk about James Hart and a whole bunch of other stuff. This is part one. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, taping this, it is 325 Pacific time. Celtics just beat the Bucs in a Game 7 that I did not go to. I'll explain my reasons to Lucilla later. We're going to talk about some karma stuff. But um, this was an awesome series. This was a weirdly dramatic game for a 28-point game. And the big takeaway I had, the reason I felt confident even heading into this game, was the Bucs could have had a Game 7 at home. They decided it didn't matter, and it all rears its ugly head. This is why you want the Game 7s at home. Because you get the role players. You get Peyton Pritchard coming in, hitting four threes and screaming, this is what I do at his bench. You get Grant Williams. <laughs> what did he finish with? Seven threes? Eight threes? This is what happens in game sevens with weird role players, whereas the Bucks, their, uh, their wings uh, were not good. Two for 17 in this game. I think game sevens, the role guys matter. What was your big takeaway? It's just the overarching... Like Celtic storyline that we've been
1: talking about, you know, like that—the fact that we're here now—they just beat Giannis in Game Seven. They're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to be favored over Miami. I—I've never seen anything happen like this. I just don't. I can't. I'm sure it has happened. I just can't think of like a team that I was so done with that I stopped watching them. Bill, me too. I was like, you know what? I don't really feel like watching them stink on offense for the last five minutes of a close game again, and. To now go into it with them where you're like, this team's tough. You know, like you're expecting things of them. And maybe, you know, how like whenever we're talking about players too, these kind of individual steps of like maybe Lucas set up for his coming out party, right? You know what I mean? Like, cause the playoffs are kind of where all this stuff happens. But for Tatum to get one against Giannis, again, today, I uh, I just I don't know, man. It's such a weird thing. It's so weird. And you brought that up too about the home court. And I was like, wait, you don't think Milwaukee's loud? And I've been paying attention to the arenas more as I've been watching. And I actually do think you're right. I don't think it's a Homer thing at all. Because when, when I listen to like how intense the crowds are at times, um, I think you were right on that call. And I thought maybe you, you people were probably just giving you crap for it.
0: I uh, People in Milwaukee told me that they didn't throw away those games that ended up changing the seeds for any other reason other than they were really worried about how tired their team was. And they just said, we need the rest at this point more than we need to worry about where our playoff positioning is. Now, I was told this earlier in the series, even before, but I still, to me, it's like if I can get two game sevens at home in the first two rounds, I want it. There's there's a Tatum Giannis thing that comes out of this series now. Right. Where... You know, I thought Windhorse wrote a really good piece yesterday at ESPN that summed up a lot of what I was feeling coming out of that game six where, you know, the the Bucs were going to win that game. It was, they had moved within, they had moved up to within four, the Celtics had blown their lead and they hit a point in that fourth quarter where Tatum, it's like, are you great or not? Like, maybe you're going to be great next year or the year after, but are you great this year? Let's see it. And he ended up having one of the most iconic playoff games in recent Celtics playoff history. And is at least a guy now that can go toe to toe with the guy who I think is, I said on Thursday, the second best player I've seen in person this century. So I think you have to have somebody that good or close to that good to even go to war with somebody like Giannis. Now Giannis didn't have Middleton today, but um, the Tatum thing, you're waiting on it, you're waiting on it, you're waiting on it to watch him actually just do it in real time, you know, we're we're so we're watching all these games. We're obsessing over it. The storylines change constantly, but then there's these big, big, big picture things that sometimes can get a little lost. And for me, it was like this Tatum thing is we, how many times do we talk? Is he a top five guys, top 10 guy? Is he in that final level? Is he in the, is he on the shortest list? So I think he emerges from this series. Now he's on the shortest list would be my takeaway. What about you?
1: Yeah, because I also love that we had a Game 3 in there where he had 10 points, and we're like, wait, is Wesley Matthews going to rip this guy's soul out? Like, what's happening? We just just got done praising you for going head-to-head with Durant and playing that well against him defensively, and now Wes Matthews is going to own you? Like, is that going to happen? Is this going to end? It's like, nope, it isn't. 46 in Game 6. And now you can kind of, even though, you know, sometimes, like, with the playoff success, I can feel a little bit like, all right, you're only allowed to be this guy. You know, you can't be this guy like for people that always get annoyed with Luka, right? Like the Luca conversation of like, wait, if this guy's really a top five, how come the guy's never getting out of the first round? Mm -hmm. Um, And that changed this year. But I just think with Tatum, I maybe it's it sounds stupid. You can be the same player, but now we're allowed to have different conversations about you.
0: KOC and I, I, I hopped on the void on Friday night. We're talking about you could see things slow down for him as the series went along. Those first two games, first three games and all the stuff the Bucs were doing. And on top of it, when they had Giannis and Lopez out there together, you got to worry about when I go to the basket, these guys, can I get my shot off over them? Where's Giannis? Drew Holiday is annoying. Um, they're, they're trapping me sometimes. Sometimes they're not. They're pressured from full court. And it was just all these little tests that he just had to pass as the series went along. And I thought by, by game six, you could just see he slowed down. He would try to get his thing. No. Oh, I'm going to pull it back. I'm going to reset. Can I get it now? Oh, Grayson Allen's on me. Okay. I'm not now. You know, and it was just constantly, he was so locked in today. It's seven turnovers, I think. And he had four fouls. I'm not saying he had the greatest game ever, but I thought when he came back in, in the fourth quarter, the passing that he was doing and the way he dissected the bucks, I thought, I just don't think he could have done that four months ago. Do you? No, that's the thing with him. Absolutely. It's, it's him understanding the way he's been
1: defended all season long. Like, hey, this is how they're going to defend you. You have to find, like, you have to find a way to, to balance your offense. You have to find a way to get people involved around you if you're going to be that superstar because it's not going to be easy for you all the time. I don't yeah. know if that means Grant. I mean, Grant, if you had told me in a playoff game <sighs> that Grant Williams was going to have
0: 22 shots, he took 18 threes. I well, cannot. He took 18 threes, and at one point it was like, is he are they gonna have to take him out? Is he <laughs> is he losing his confidence? In the first quarter, I felt like wow, he might actually be losing his confidence. And then it seems like they called out of a timeout. They called a three for him. Smart whipped it across the floor to him, and that guy, it just kind of got him going. But I I what a roller coaster ride with him. <laughs> and that was clearly the Bucks' game plan. Like we're leaving you open. The Celtics took the most threes, I think, in the history of the playoffs today. 55. I think it was a record. And the Bucks. That was their strategy in Game One. We're going to give you all of these. Let's see if you can make twenty of them. And we're going to miss every one. <laughs> and on the other hand, <laughs> we're missing every three we take. And the Bucks they went sent them down.
1: They went four of thirty-three, and I don't remember. Like I don't remember them, you know, because it was like, hey, they missed again. It's like, oh, they missed twelve in a row. They missed thirteen in a row. I was like, this is ridiculous. Kind
0: missing was surprising, right? Because it felt like he was pretty locked in this series, and then he just couldn't make anything today.
1: No, but you're. I mean, look, 22 minutes from West Matthews, uh, from West Matthews, one of five. 22 minutes from Grayson Allen, 0 for six, and then 32 minutes from Connaughton, one for six. I mean, Brutal. you're not going to
0: beat any. You're not going to beat anybody. And then he uh, played 11 minutes with zero for zero. I, uh, a couple of the Bucks fans in my life were just completely outraged that they kept playing Grayson Allen as the series went along, when he was a defensive mismatch and, um, and he just wasn't wasn't playing well offensively. They were saying Carter should be playing. Not that Javon Carter is the godsend, but um, at least if you put him out there, we can pressure full court and he'll bring something to the table Unlike Grace down, but just wouldn't change it. I actually think this game could have been a lot worse because you think the Bucks were up eight in the first quarter. They lose by 28. And there were moments where like if Drew didn't just go to the basket and create some, how many times did he create some crazy shot with a hand in his face? Or... Four seconds left in a shot clock, just figured out how to laser one away every game. Like, he was nine for 21. He has like nine loud field goals that he made. You know, they were all like important, weirdly. I I can't believe their
1: shot selection though, sometimes. Like, I love Drew, I'd love to have him, I love watching him play. I can't believe the shot selection. And there were times in game six where I was like, What do you guys want to lose this game? Like, what the hell's going on here? Mm. Um, Did you think they were going to win the game six? (sighs) The Bucs. Well, I don't, I mean, who'd you, who do you think was going to win game six?
0: I thought the Celts had a really good chance to win game six. I thought they were going to win game six and lose game seven at home because of the turnaround of 36, the 36 hours later. I mean, you could feel it. Porford was two for seven today, right? Smart was two for nine. Like the guys that are going all out 40 minutes a game, when that turnaround from that Friday night to the Sunday, I was just really worried about them. And I thought Giannis, all right, well, they have an alien on their team. He's not going to be tired. That was one of the crazy things about today. He looked tired to me. And I was texting my dad because my dad was there. I was like, Is Giannis Giannis look tired? Like, are his hands on his knees (laughs) during the breaks? But, you know, he's missing shots around the rim that I just don't think he would normally miss. But they just played five games in nine days, and he was playing 40 to 43 minutes a game and doing everything. And then in the fourth quarter, he got this weird burst of energy where he started picking up Tatum full court and Smart full court. And it's like, what's going on? Did you just give this guy a Gatorade? Um, look, they didn't have Middleton. Do you think they win this series without Middleton?
1: Uh, no, once Middleton was out, I'm like, Boston, because I'll admit, too, it's a little bit like the Trey Young conversation, right? Where I'll admit that deep down, I'm probably feeling something, right? I'm feeling something the entire time but I may not share it because it doesn't seem like it makes any sense. Right. Yeah. And then when they lost and they looked awful and they were a huge disappointment, I was kind of like, all right, that's how I felt deep down. I had a little of that with Boston. I thought they were going to lose game six. You know, I was like, they'll probably just lose game six. And I did my pot on Thursday saying, you know, Milwaukee probably punched his ticket to the finals, which was dismissive of Boston. And Miami. I agree with all you. No, I agree. Yeah. I think so. That
0: was the right take. <laughs> This was, these are the best two teams in the playoffs with what we've seen from Phoenix. I think Milwaukee and Boston, especially with Middleton coming back next round, I think that was the right take. Look, Tatum had to play the best game he's ever played in his entire life for them to survive the game six. That's what happened. If you're a Bucs fan, you have to look back at that game 10 years from now, the same way like the OKC fans would look back at the Clay Thompson game. You know, in 2016, we're like, we would have made it if that didn't happen. and. Just Tatum and 30 in the second half against a Bucs team that has Drew Holiday and Giannis. And none of them were easy shots. It wasn't like, you know, it's like, oh, they forgot to guard Tatum again. And their whole defense was concentrated around him. So that's what needed to happen for Boston to win this series. On the other hand, Saruti said before, and I agree with him, like the Celtics, they're two plays away from winning this series 6-1. to See that too. The Bucs were down 10, 13, 14, I think in five of these games. So that has to mean something too. They were always like kind of clawing back, scrapping back, and they always had the honest piece. But I left the building game five, walking back with my dad. And I talked about it on my pod on Thursday. Like, just felt like we lost the title. Now it's a reaction. You're upset, but it was like, man, we just blew the title. We didn't get a fucking rebound. We blew the title. What that was, was it our like? Walk
1: home. What was that like those last couple of
0: minutes in the building? Got super tense. Just. Sometimes it happens. And the Bucks bench was locked in. You know, Giannis's brother, who's like the new Bundini Brown, he's over like almost in the coach box, just screaming. And, you know, their whole bench, they just really thought they could steal that game. The difference is Connaughton was playing well that game. So they had three guys. This game, they had Lopez going a little bit, but I, I just think it's different. I think they needed so badly that one shooter to stretch the floor for them because their shots were open, you know, and they just... They just couldn't get him. They out-rebounded. They had fifty six rebounds in this game, and they're going to look back and be like, "Man, the wings." Um, I'm going to. I want to do this now. Do you think the Bucks kind of wasted a, a vintage Giannis season, or do you just blame the Middleton thing? Because I feel like, I really feel like he's one of the two best players I've seen in person this century. And I think he's on the level of Shaq in those early two thousands and guys like that. Like really like the greatest players of all time. I, I actually think he's in that neighborhood and to only get out of uh, only round two and you're done. Can you blame that all on Middleton or there's some other stuff you would pinpoint?
1: When you say waste though, it makes me think like, did they do things wrong that they were supposed to get right? You know what I mean? Is that kind of what you like? I just think they lost. You know, if they had Middleton, they probably won the series.
0: Well, let's um, go, great Grayson Allen. I don't think that bit paid off. The Ibaka trade, defense was that was their one kind of something. They turned into Ibaka, who, who apparently just couldn't play. And those were two spots combined with the Middleton thing. That, that um, I don't know. If I if I'm a Bucks fan, I'm just looking at the last five years and be like, man. We only got to one finals with this guy. Like now next year, I would I would say they have some of the most pressure of any team next year. You know, Brooklyn obviously does. Uh we could go through. There's gonna be all kinds of teams with varying pressure, but they're in this crazy position where they have this transcendent guy. And now Boston has arisen. And I I don't know. I would be thinking about that if I was a Bucks fan.
1: He's twenty seven, so you know, you're gonna get a lot, you're gonna get more swings at this. Um you know, I guess I, I, I couldn't help but like in game six, I'm going, oh, if they lose, like, will it mean that they lost this awesome team? Or will it be that I think, you know, deep down, hey, this, this Celtics team just <laughs> like the doubts I had about them started creeping in. You know what I mean? The doubts of like, it was just a weird thing to be in after all like we've talked about for two years. It was just a weird thing to go. Wait, do I have like full blown confidence in this basketball team? Like, is that how I look at them? Do I watch the Celtics with expectations? Especially in close games. And I don't know that I ever fully got there. You know what I mean? Despite the profile, the record, the wins, um, so many smart players, guys that seem to play the right way, the defense being something that you can go to when their offense isn't working, that they had different options, that Yudoka looked like he really figured some things out. And I kept being like, are you sure you feel that way? Are you sure you feel? And now with this win, I'm like, okay, yeah like here we go now like expectations for me increased dramatically just because of what happened today
0: well and because of what happened in game six like that was the game they've blown for how many years dating back to I don't know 2019 they would just lose that game come close oh my god one play two plays you'd point to it uh all right way more to talk about we'll take a quick break Make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel, so many ways to play best of all. When you do win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. Let's talk about a Game 1 same-game parlay. So we got a Game 1 on Tuesday night. It is Boston-Miami. Miami's favored by one and a half because that was such a grueling series for the Celtics. I have not been able to pull off a win on any of these same game parlays in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to say, take Miami, minus 126. Go with the over on Tyler Hero 3s because he always kills the Celtics. Go with... Jimmy Butler to score 20 plus points and do like 10 rebounds for Bam and you're good to go. There's your same game parlay. If you're new to FanDuel, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code BS. Once again, promo code BS. And if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. Either way, you'll get up to $20 in free bets if your same game parlay in the playoffs doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 plus in select states. Refund issued is non withdrawable. Free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet, $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 1-800-270-7117 for Confidential Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800Gamber.net. What would you have done differently if you're the Bucks? I actually thought, other than playing Grayson Allen too much, I thought they did a really good job of kind of changing strategies as the season went along. Like, I don't want to say grasping for straws, but it was a little close. Like, let's try this. Maybe they won't be ready for this. By game seven, they had come all the way full circle back to their game one strategy, which was to, they even tried to play the bigger lineup, you know? And just let's hope Boston misses some threes, basically. Let's hope Grant Williams isn't ready for the moment. Let's hope Derek White misses. Derek White, by the way, all he did was miss. He made the, the one huge streak near the end of the third quarter. But other than that, he went back to the first two games, Derek White. I don't know what other moves they, they had. Was there? They, didn't you feel like they exhaust, exhausted the, uh, the move pile? Well, I just think the way they're constructed, I don't really know
1: what else they're going to do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the real push is just off of misses. That, that's that's the, like the box. That's the whole thing with them. Because every time Giannis goes, he's going to the free throw line, and he didn't today. So they made way more threes. They missed all of theirs, and Giannis I think only had six free throws. And so you're going to win that game every time. But the Giannis part of it, I don't know. I don't know. You know, really, like what you could do, how you could play differently, how you could engage or get your offense started differently when the best offense maybe in the league now is just that guy off a defensive rebound.
0: I thought that missed on one thing. I would have played Carter and Holiday together and I would have pressured the Celtics full court because the Celtics dribbling stuff is just a bizarre subplot, <laughs> not only to the series, but to the playoffs where Jalen Brown, just like some games, he just can't totally dribble. I don't know what's going on here. Smart, Tatum, these they're super sloppy and over and over again. I, I can't remember a series where I was more nervous about eight second calls every game. So every time they're crossing the line at 17 seconds. And I... I just I thought the Bucks actually if they'd gotten their defense going maybe that would have helped their offense and I just would have pressed and pushed and just made try to make the Celtics uncomfortable. I don't think they did that enough in this series. It was one of the reasons they won Game One.
1: Yeah, their defense was kind of a little overrated anyway. Though I thought like I kept yeah. waiting for it and was wondering because a lot of times, especially these last three seasons, you look at numbers and go, okay, well, is that a real number? is that a real number or is it a fake number? And yeah. with Milwaukee, when I look at their defensive stuff, I go, you know, that's not really that great. And then the numbers, I mean, to just go playoff defensive, offensive ratings can be a little weird too because it's like, well, who did you play? And when Milwaukee's playing Chicago, like I wasn't going to look at their right. defensive rating being like, oh, wow, this is actually the best defense. So I think overall the defense was probably a little disappointing considering what you th- when you think of the Bucs and what you think of them. Um, but I then think- you think
0: like Grayson Allen's out there, Connaughton. Wes Matthews, who I was by far their best wing defender, but was a guy who was almost out of the league two years ago. So you think <laughs> you of it that way, um, that would be the one, I guess, that they're trying to beef up for next year. You get Middleton healthy, and then maybe one more of those kind of Jay Crowder circa 2020 type guys. So it was a little, maybe an upgrade. That Matthews. was the other thing, too, not having
1: Lopez most of the season. Um, you know, you could argue... That the regular season numbers are worthless to look at anyway because they have a major, you know, 30 minute guy coming back totally. and impacting what they do. But yeah, I guess I just don't have like a ton of blame to go around here because they missed a shot today.
0: I should have made this point sooner. I guess I said it on the pod on Thursday. I just thought I was so impressed by the Bucs as a defending champ. I really care about defending champ stuff. I really value it. I think it needs to tie into the previous season in some ways where. How you defended the title almost should be like the you know, the epilogue to the actual title. And I thought they defended it and really cared about it and fought to the bitter end and fought until they had absolutely nothing left. And I thought the Celtics had a better team. Didn't mean they were definitely going to win the series, but they definitely had a better team without Middleton. And the Bucs were still almost able to pull it out because of how great Giannis is and how fucking hard they play. Like winning that game five was really, really, really impressive. And the kind of thing you do when you're a great team that takes a lot of pride in the fact that you have the belt. And sometimes we see teams throw those years away. We saw it with the Lakers last year, right? They won the bubble title, come back last year. It's like, oh, Davis is hurt? They checked out, you know? And Dallas in 2012, that was another one where they have this great, and then it's like, eh, we don't need Chandler. And all of a sudden it's like, there was no defense. So I I really liked that and respected that with Milwaukee. Um, more stuff from this game, Giannis, which I think we can both agree Giannis didn't really have a good game by his standards today. No, well he finished with a 25-20 and nine. <laughs> <laughs> Giannis' yeah, bad sucks. games. Yeah, that guy sucks. <laughs> Giannis' bad games would be like the best game of Dwight Howard's career.
1: <laughs> um, I I didn't had I felt like every game there was a Giannis
0: quarter, and I didn't I didn't think we got it today. I mean, you could argue we got it in the first quarter. Unfortunately for the Bucks, right? He he, what do you have in the first quarter? He was uh, he had a ten eight six in the first quarter.
1: Oh well, yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> my standards for him are a little little too high. I guess I, I it's it's that helpless. Like I didn't feel like Boston was helpless in the first quarter against him. Where I still think what was it game two maybe in the third quarter. Yeah. Where I was like, this is horrifying. <laughs> like, right. There's just nothing you, you he's madder than everybody out there. And you're just not going to be able to do anything. So maybe it needed to be more visual for me to be like, oh, he's having one of his quarters. But um, well, nah, one thing funny. that
0: Celtics unlocked was they started throwing smart at him a little bit more as the series went along. And I thought that really helped them, especially like in the transition stuff, because, you know, I think Giannis was afraid of getting charges because Smart's so good at that and. Just in general, he was able to hold his own at least enough that it gave them another guy. Because Horford, I mean, the thirty-five-year-old Al Horford <laughs> surviving the series is just nuts. He, he basically stopped shooting because I think his legs were done by Game Six. So he's today he is passing up threes that were wide open because he's like, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> just I'm just going to set some picks and rebound and keep the ball moving. I got nothing left. I I got to stay in front of this this crazy man. I have to guard you know for two and a half hours. Um, but the, they just had the right kind of mix. I felt, which was crazy because the no Robert Williams piece you thought would have mattered more, but I think Giannis actually liked going at Robert Williams. It seemed like, you know, at least the first, first two games. Yeah. He was available, right? I think, I don't think he was, I think he was available, like break cla- break glass in case of emergency type of thing. You know, like if there was foul trouble or something where it was became a situation of, hey, we have to play you. Al Horford just fouled out, you know, one of those type of things.
1: Um, yeah, that, this had, I mean, to think of the storyline for the Celtics side of it, though, you have the Tatum game six, you have the Horford games where you're like, there's no way he's ever going to do that again. And then he comes back the next game. He's even better. Yeah. Um, you've got the game you went to. My dad was there, too. Uh, uh, he was very worried about the jump balls. He's like, how come we lose every jump ball?
0: possession error would just solve it right away yeah i was like you know what
1: now nah, his big thing is always the jump ball goes to the defense he's a big drew holiday fan too if you're curious about that he's like love that
0: guy doesn't complain just does his job I was like all right cool i'll note. i feel the same way i this series he doesn't complain this series my drew holiday respect which was already i think higher than most went to a whole other level he's just so, he was just so scary And it's not like he was never like 18 for 22 in a game or anything crazy like that, right? He was always like eight for 18, nine for 20. But it was, he has a sense of the moment in these games when his team really needs one. And that's usually when he does it. I'll tell you the things I won't miss from this series. Because you spend, this has now been 15 days of of this as a battle. And uh, I think it was... By NBA playoff standards, pretty, pretty high level. I'm not ready to throw it in the all-time greatest playoff series of all times because I don't think it was, especially you need the great game seven, I think, to be in that conversation. But I think this was this was a really, really, really awesome series to watch. I will not miss the holiday shots with two seconds left on the shot clock that I just feel like are going in every time. I will not miss Giannis's brother, who I just think is the most impactful bench guy who doesn't play from a kind of chemistry energy standpoint like maybe ever especially you see it in person it's fucking crazy he's like he's got like electricity running through him I won't miss the wide open continent threes even though he missed them today I won't miss Grayson Allen's face I just don't like his face sorry (laughs) I won't miss the crazy Bobby Portis eyes and last but not least I will not miss the ongoing conundrum of how the fuck do you officiate Giannis because I don't know the answer. I just don't. I, I think he's the hardest guy to check. You could tell me like he had that charge in the first quarter day against Grant Williams and it was like that was a charge. And the ref's were like, no, it wasn't. Okay. And then they'll call the same thing a quarter later or he'll dip his shoulder into somebody and they'll call it, then they won't call it. I just think the refs don't know what to do with him. He's a very hard guy to play. I will not miss it.
1: I want to know if Bucks fans ever feel guilty. Like, do he they ever way. feel bad that, I mean, I don't want to turn, look, one. Um I don't want to turn it into like, hey, let's find a way to criticize Giannis. I think we're both pretty, pretty nice to the guy, but. I'm a huge fan. There's, it's almost unfair at times. You're like, so he's just going to get the ball in transition. He's always going to get a foul. Every Well, he time. does that
0: thing with the elbows where. He gets the contact with the elbows, and the guys get hit in the face. And then Tatum did it once and they called the offensive foul on him. He does seem to get leeway. But uh, if you ask the Bucs fans, they'll say, all these guys flop against Giannis. Everyone's exaggerating the contact, trying to get fouls on him. And it's actually not as bad as people think. So I don't know. It's somewhere in the middle. But I think it's very Shaq-like where I don't, I don't really know what the answer is, but it just seems like there's 10 times a game where it was like, man, that seemed like a charge. Or wow, I can't believe they called him on that, on that one. It didn't seem like one. And it's just all over the map. I think he'd be a nightmare to officiate. Is my take.
1: I yeah, uh, I did not enjoy today uh, the officiating.
0: <laughs> well, we had Kane Fitzgerald who's trying to establish himself as Tony Brothers 2.0. I don't know if you noticed. W- was that him
1: number five? He, he's number five? He was five. the one who
0: took over the game for like three minutes
1: where yeah. it's just everything
0: was a charge and a foul. Everything was a charge.
1: Yeah. I yeah. don't know who who said this. Again, I know we've said it before, but they need to make the charge a less, it needs to be the least cool thing you can do. So instead of like a point the other way or a head behind the hand. Or it should a, be a head a shake. Hand, it, it has to be like something that you'd be like, I don't even want to do that. Yeah. So then you don't want to call as much. You're absolutely, he took over in that stretch and the whole Bucks bench was screaming at him and yeah. he would just be like, going the other way. Like he was doing well, the it in Celtics a way. Were
0: yelling at him too. Everyone was yelling at him. He reached that Tony brothers level where everybody's yelling at me at the same time. You know, it's a special referee performance. I saw him on the list and I was worried, not as worried as I would have been for Tony brothers. By the way, Tony brothers is doing game seven, which we'll be covering in part two of, uh, of sons Dallas, but Tony will get involved for longer than three, four minutes. But, um, yeah, I think for the most part, I talked about this on my Thursday pod. Giannis, it's really weird. He's, oh, you'll like this. I had a whole thing about sneaky, dirty guys, which I, I'm saying as a compliment, he is kind of a sneaky, dirty guy in a good way. Like he, like the same way John Stockton was like that. And some of the other ones are Michael Jordan was like that over the years. Well, they'll definitely, they'll get away with stuff. And then, but they, they seem like such a good guy. You kind of don't want to hang them on him, but he'll, he does stuff. He knows how to use his body, his elbows. Um, you know, he's not afraid. In a good way. I couldn't believe the call on Tatum. That was horrible. That was horrible. Because Giannis did that, what, 20 times? A um, couple other things from this game. Derek White is one of those guys. That you, you're the creator of Shamit Face. Yeah. Derek White's one of those guys you kind of know in the first five minutes. He's like a date. Where it's like if you somebody set me up on a date, well they wouldn't anymore because I'm married. Somebody sets you up on a date, yeah, that'd be weird. And you'll (laughs) know in five minutes, right? Is there something here? Is there something not here? But Derek White is like that, um, better or worse, every game. So I knew right away today. I was like, he doesn't have it. But the other, some of like game three, game four is like, oh, he's got it today. And it's like this weird aggressive posture. You know, he just, you can kind of see it. And when he doesn't have it like he did today, you can see it. Amy pulled him. He pulled him, I think, with like five or six minutes uh, after he went in and just put Pritchard in because he was like, this guy doesn't have it. And then they kind of had to ease him back because they needed his defense. But uh, pretty interesting player. I'm going to be interested to see how he reacts to this Miami series.
1: Are we being really dismissive of Miami?
0: We're not. We- I want to talk about them in the next segment.
1: Okay. Uh, by the way, the Derek White part of this, he's better than this. And he just hasn't been great with this team. Well, we saw it. Games three through six. I thought he was really valuable. You didn't think so? No, I i just, I don't expect these like absolute duds from him though. I agree. Yeah. with you. It feels like you can see him. You'll know. And it's also interesting, like in game five, there was a possession in particular where I was like, oh, look at this. Like he, Marcus wanted the ball back. And White was like, "No, like I got this possession. I'm initiating the offense." And he kind of just did a little like dribble and then turn, handed off to Tice, I think. And yeah, was Tice hit the three? It was
0: it ended up being a good play. And Tice it was did like, not hit a three. That you, that you're definitely remembering that one, Rob, <laughs> because there's <laughs> this was a game where Daniel Tice did not hit a three. No, no,
1: no. no. I was talking about Game Five. This Game Five. Yeah. But oh, I, okay. I, I don't. By the way, I don't. Yeah, even maybe know. he did
0: but, in Game Five. I've blocked out all the Daniel Tice threes from this series out of my brain. All right. Now, now I actually have to look it up here. Well, yeah. I'll, as you're looking him. up, I'll tell you this. Smart was two for nine and Derek White was one for 10. Combined, they were three for 19. Uh, this is what happens though in these game sevens. Like, remember that Celtics, that Celtics Cavs box score? is like a fucking murder report from 2018. <laughs> Where Rogier and... Uh, Jalen Brown and Smart, I think what were they, like seven for 42 combined, something like that? It's tough. And the same thing for the Bucks today. Um, By the way, this game was in the 30s with
1: like two minutes to go before the half. Yeah. So I was sitting there being like, wait, are we going to crack 40 points here? Yeah, 317. It was 39-38. And I was like, this is ridiculous.
0: Corford had three fouls. Celts were up 45-43. Third foul in the Tatum. Uh, they called the Tatum Charge. And then Smart, those three free throws right before the half. Nice little cushion there, you know? Yeah, it uh, was still huge. Still kind of up five, playing like crap. Wow. Grant Williams has been our only good guy. Jesus. Uh, before we before we move on to the Celts Miami. So I didn't stay. And you and I are very different in this respect. So I'm going to give you the chance to make fun of me. I didn't stay for the possibility of a game seven. Because after game five, I was traumatized. I stayed all day. I didn't leave Boston until Friday, and I wanted to work on my pod on Thursday and I had to tape it and stayed for the basketball games and i I'm like i'll i'm I'm gonna leave on Friday. I made a flight, but I was like, maybe I won't, maybe I'll stay and then Friday morning, I was just like i think I think they're better off if I leave, so I left. I actually believed that <laughs> could help if I left if i I left. I could have just watched game six with my dad, had a great time. We would have won. And then I would have stayed for game seven and gotten to go today. But I really felt like I had to leave. Does that sound psychotic?
1: Yeah, a little bit, but I've done stuff like that. I mean, I used to, I used to do, I used to have a routine for Red Sox games. Like it was, I was a loser, you know, I mean, 20 years ago, but like, I'd have to be sitting a certain way, you know. Or I would do this thing with like big pitches where I would stare at the glove. I mean, it's it's, it's idiotic. So yeah, it's like hot. It's all of those things. But, <laughs>
0: you know, it's because you would have, did your dad go though? He went today, right? My dad went with my stepmom. Great time. Good luck. Good luck all the way around. They've been to a lot of big games. And uh, I just felt like I was pretty traumatized by game five. And I felt like if I stayed, they were going to lose game six. And then I was going to have the cross-country flight of shame home on Saturday, kicking myself that I didn't go back the day earlier because I screwed things up. I Listen, I'm not saying this is rational. I'm not proud of it. But that was where my head was at. I easily could have stayed. And I was like, I should go. I'm, we'll be better <laughs> off. We're better off with me 3,000 miles away.
1: Wick, tell, uh, <laughs> tell the guys. <laughs> tell the guys I'm not going to be
0: there. Tell the guys I'm not going to be there. Yeah. Listen, how much I'm not, much, pr- I'm not I proud still, of it, I
1: can't defend it. I still don't know that we've gotten enough real detail of what the walk out of that building was like in game five.
0: Now you can laugh about it. But I mean about as quiet as I can remember. That was why I did the, the I did the worst losses I've ever seen in person for my Thursday pod, and they all have the <laughs> same they all have the same kind of connective tissue where it's just people kind of walking out like zombies in very low-level low chatter, just quiet. People just kind of want to leave. It's like leaving a crime scene. It's kind of what it's like. You just want to get out. You want to get away from the area you just witnessed, what you just witnessed. You just want to get outside, just get to air, and just kind of get to wherever you're going. That's what it felt like. And this one, I think, was pretty rare because it really did feel like they blew the title on. Wednesday night. So the fact that they're still alive is freaking nuts. Um we're gonna take a break, come back, talk uh Miami Celtics. All right, Boston, Miami. Miami has home court advantage. What do you think the line is on FanDuel right now for the series? For the series, I would just guess
1: that Boston's favorite.
0: By but a it's, little it's, more than a little or a lot? Um A little. Yeah. So that's what I thought. Is it a lot? They're minus 175. Oh. Miami's plus 145. And the reason I mentioned that, being alarmed by that, is because there's a lot of history of game one after the seven-game brutal battle and the team advancing when the other team has some rest. There's some pretty good history for that. The the team that played the game seven coming out and kind of sucking in game one. I think it's like 65% straight up last 50 or something like that. Raheem Palmer had some stuff on it, on his Twitter feed about it. Um, I just think that's a really hard game one where you just got, you just climbed this, you just climbed Giannis Mountain. You just beat the best player in the league. You came down from 3-2. You had the greatest, greatest victory of the entire Tatum Brown era by far, even though they've, you know, won some series, they've won some game sevens, whatever. This 2022 team is so much better than that 2018 team that beat the Wizards. You know, and now you're in Miami. Whole new series. They've been game planning for either team for the last week. I just think it's a hard spot.
1: Yeah, look, it is. I mean, obviously. But, I mean, the Miami part of this, which, again, no one's going to like on that side of it. I think they're good. I don't think they're great. They just don't. I think it's a little like the Titans for me, you know, when you were like, Hey, this is, is this one of the weakest one seeds we've had in the AFC in a while? And it was like, yeah, historically, uh, that was the case. And, you know, I know that Miami would say, well, we didn't have our guys. And it's like, well, nobody had like this whole season. Most teams were missing major guys, like 20, 25% of it. So their record, yeah, sure, it would have been better if all those guys played, but like that was kind of the story of the season. So when I think about what I've seen from them in the playoffs, too, Atlanta's awful. Philly's a mess. You're getting Embiid for half of the series and he's not even with it. Harden's aging like rapidly. Yeah. And I'm like, here they are in the Eastern Conference finals and I feel way better about who Boston is based on how they've played and there's who they've gone up against as opposed to Miami's path. Not saying that I don't think they're good. And, of course, as I'm saying this, watching them end up beating Boston in six games or something stupid. But I'm just, I am just—I don't look at them as a team that's like, oh, how? Like, if you just beat Milwaukee, there's no part of you that's thinking, okay, now this is like, this is, this is thought. I would imagine the team looks at it this way being like, okay, we actually got through the toughest part of the playoffs, uh, at least on this side, on the eastern side of it, by getting past Milwaukee.
0: I would agree with you if game seven was in Boston, because I think this spot, so Miami's favored by one and a half in game one, which is interesting because they're not favored to win the series. You lose game one and then game seven's in Miami. So then could the Celtics win four of the next five? Like, seems doubtful if they lose game one. And then that game seven's in Miami. So it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous that Miami beat them two years ago. Now, different Celtics team at that point. Tatum's at a whole different point of his career. I don't think they're as deep. Um, I think Dragic was incredibly important in that series. I also and think the, we were in the Cel-
1: bubble. Celtics have more options now on that bam, curl, Alleyoop thing that they killed them with. <laughs> you know what I mean? That play was like, oh, here comes Bam. Here comes Bam again. And, and now Boston actually just has options. So I don't, I don't think the team, you know, I wouldn't compare this team to, to two years ago at all or this series. And yeah, there's a little bit
0: though. I, it wasn't that long ago, you know, it's less than two years ago. And the last time they played them, they beat them, you know? So I I do feel like that matters a tiny bit if I'm Miami, because I'm like, we just beat these guys two years ago. Yeah, they're better, but you know, we're better too. And now Hero's at a different level of his career. Philly was doing some stuff trapping him. In the last series, that I'm wondering if the maybe the Celtics will do that if we don't get a full if we don't get a full Lowry. I don't know what I mean, Lowry's the X factor of this series. I guess Rob Williams is too, but my my instincts is maybe we don't see Rob Williams in this series either. If he's got like a legitimate bone bruise on his knee, like that resembles what Ja had, Ja was out for the playoffs. So that makes me think if we didn't see Rob today, we, he didn't throw him out there for three minutes, it makes me nervous that we see him next round too. It's a different injury than the MCL. So you have that, and then Lowry, I just don't know what to make him anymore. He's like this car. It's like you go in the garage, you turn the key on. Is it gonna start? I don't know.
1: No, I mean, even when he was out there, man, it was it was tough to watch. And so they're I better, mean, you better have, without him. Well, uh
0: <laughs> you if, don't if think he's you, on one if he's on one leg, they're better without him. If he's right. healthy, they're not better without him.
1: Um, that's what I thought. I didn't know what you were saying there. Yeah. Um, you know, the Oladipo stuff has been okay.
0: It hasn't been great. Celtics are going to leave him alone the whole series. Please shoot. You have that three whenever you want it. Please take it. Duncan, apparently back in the mix now. Uh, a guy who's killed the Celtics in the past.
1: Yeah. Oladipo's 28% from three in the playoffs or he wasn't that Sixer series. Um, because they're, Look, they're kind of a weird team, too, because the Lowry part of it like you you're not really sure like what are you getting here is it is Jimmy can Jimmy do enough on his own? That's the whole part where I'm just like as much as I love Bam, he's still a dependent offensive player um, the Lowry part of it with him running around looking as bad as he did, you kind of take that out of the factor. I just don't know if Jimmy can do enough offensively to carry this team.
0: I wonder. So Jimmy, I think, is the best thing about this series if I'm Miami and he might potentially be the worst thing too. Cause he just watched this whole Tatum versus Giannis. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the podcast. Like this is now, this is now the rivalry in the East. The road through the East goes through one of these two guys, or so it seems. And Jimmy, I think, sees all that stuff. And Jimmy's gonna be like, wait, I'm better than Jason Tatum. Watch this. Now, he might actually not be better than Jason Tatum, but I I do think he's gonna try to, you know. It's like, there's actually three guys in the East, not two. And they're actually four with the rim. But you know what I mean? Like, I can see Jimmy psyching himself up with this. Oh, Tatum's the guy now? Yeah. He beat that guy two years ago. Watch this. And then he does all the Jimmy stuff. The difference is he's not going against Tobias Harris this time. You know, and, and by the way, I thought that was weird that Jimmy was saying they picked him over, Tobias, Tobias Harris over him. That's like not what happened. Why does he think that's what happened? When he came out of the locker, when he was leaving the floor, and he was like, Tobias Harris over me? I was like, that's not what happened. They picked Al Horford over you. They took the money they were going to give you and gave it to Al Horford. And what I heard was,
1: was Jimmy was like, not exactly in love with the situation either. You know? No, because
0: he didn't like Simmons. Right. He was like Team Embiid. He was against Simmons. He didn't think, he didn't think Simmons had the work ethic. I mean, there are a whole bunch of reasons. I think he's probably even talked about him, but yeah, I don't so, feel like he felt like those guys were mature enough yet as to understand what it. Ta- I think Embiid is now, but maybe four years ago, I don't think Embiid was wired that way. He's pretty out of shape, you know.
1: Yeah, I, that's what I'd heard is that Butler was kind of like you know, he's I want I want to work with adults, I wanna, you know, and that's what he got. But I mean. You know, Jimmy Butler, the funniest thing about Jimmy Butler is like, he's the best guy ever in these, in these commercials. Like, Hey, what's Jimmy Butler doing? Oh, let's get him singing and dancing. He's having a Michelob
0: Blake. Yeah. yeah. What is that commercial?
1: Yeah. Hey, can we get a Mick Ultra and have Jimmy Butler do a dance for us? Cause he's such a, just a fun hang. Yeah. That's amazing. Let's do that. And then
0: it's like, he's given us, he's the opposite of that guy. Right. He's constantly (laughs) getting into it with people. That would be a better Michelob (laughs) Blake commercial or whatever brand that is. Jimmy gets really upset. Some Mick Ultra, somebody drank his last Mick Ultra, starts yelling at everybody, flips over a video screen.
1: Mick Ultra should just have it next to another beer and then somebody grabs the wrong beer and brings it to him. And he's like, you picked that over Mick Ultra? (laughs) You picked that over Mick Ultra? The other ad that I'm I'm super into is that if you have a Subaru, if you have a Subaru, your family just likes you more Mm. now. There's a lot more love. Hard Hard to not prove. Yeah, I can't say it's not true. Right. Fair, fair counter. And then the Steph Curry crypto one, where it's his wallet. And, and, Shaq's,
0: they, and Shaq's voice?
1: Yeah, Shaq's, you know, and I, I wonder if Steph was like, hey, can I do all of them except for the mime one? Do I have to dress as a <laughs> or mime? Shaq
0: or Shaq's plane got derailed, and it was like, he was supposed to be there, but they had to audible. <laughs> they had one day, he to do a VO. Because
1: the other thing, too, is that when he opens his wallet, I... I just thought it was great that they had to be like, what's a number in there that makes sense? What would be in Steph Curry's crypto wallet? You know, Mm -hmm. how much does he have? And he only has 15,000. Now, some say, oh, only 15,000. That's a lot. Like, Well, not really for Steph, but they couldn't. $50 million a year. Yeah, right. But they couldn't put like 17 million in his crypto position because then it would just be an absurd commercial. So I just, I think that's an awesome conversation. Probably not for this pod, so I'm going to stop.
0: But uh, I'd actually like to keep going. I really like the Snoop Dogg <laughs> Andy Sandberg commercial. I think it's really good. I like the vibe. They showed it too much, so I was getting tired of it. But I thought that was a really good commercial too. I would have. I, it's always weird to me that they only make one commercial and then they show it for three weeks. Like you have those guys for a shoot all day. Why not make like five versions of the commercial and then just keep like pumping them out over the course of the playoffs for over everyone just getting tired of that commercial. But I like those two guys together.
1: That's a good point of the commercial, probably because Thanks. the rate, the rate would be so absurd because I remember like the one commercial I ever did was Dick Sporting Goods, right? Mm. And I got it because of Van Pelt. Let's not pretend there was any other reason I was in it. And they had some weird thing in it for me. So if I did it more, like if it ran, they were like, hey, we're going to run it again. Another 60 days. Are you okay with that? And of course you're like, well, of course I'm okay with it. You know, although I look kind of fat at Bill, I have to admit.
0: I did. About. We filmed all day for the second year. I did countdown. We filmed all those, yeah, ESPN yeah. commercials promos. And I did one with Van Gundy, um, where we were he, he we were sharing a bunk bed like on the car. But Jalen and I, we ad libbed like a, a hour and a half of stuff where I'm driving and he's in the passenger seat. I swear to God, it was really funny. I mean, I, I I don't I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb saying like <laughs> he, we we've done we did some funny stuff back then. We had all this stuff and it was like they didn't use any of it for anything. I don't know. Maybe they were mad at me at that point because I, su- I get suspended. No, I wasn't suspended yet. I don't know. <laughs> they just froze us out. But it was like, what the fuck? We filmed for like two hours of us ad-libbing and making fun of each other. Like nothing? Could have shown anything? But I'm I sure love- Andy Sandberg feels that way.
1: Yeah, I... I, I don't know. Do you remember when they did the neighborhood one and everybody was at Brad Nestler's house and he was wearing an apron cooking? And then is it Steve Nash brings over like a neighborhood kid and he's like, hey, can weasel stay for dinner? And Brad Nestler's like, grab a plate, weasel. <laughs> it is still. It's been like 15 years. Oh, they should
0: be on YouTube. I don't I understand why they are. I
1: love Brad Nestler saying, grab a plate, weasel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's the line.
1: I got to double check.
0: Yeah, um, th- I thought the call was good today uh, with uh, Breen and Van Gundy and Jackson. I thought they yeah, were on the right things. It. Yeah, I thought they had the right points. They were confused by the right things. It, it mirrored a lot of what I was thinking. Watching the game, you know, I thought Gus Johnson and Greg Anthony were really good. I thought Moro Rinaldo was really good on the Showtime boxing thing I watched last night, um, the Charlo fight, which was excellent. I think there's been, I thought Sean McDonough and Steve Levy were both really good calling hockey, especially McDonough. I thought it was just nice and just, the hockey, it's, you just need, it has a certain rhythm to it, right? Like you just, something about it, you either have it or you don't. And I don't want to say who who doesn't, but there's people out there that, that that sometimes they don't, you know, and they're just, there's a cadence to it that when somebody doesn't have it, you're just thrown off the whole time. Like to the point where I have to mute if they don't have it.
1: I thought uh, we choosing last night was awesome on the Kings game. Yeah. Edmonton. And it's just because, you know, I don't watch it. I don't even think I watch hockey as much as you do. Um, the, just I've the really killed off a lot. Gee, it's just the cadence, though, like through the blue paint, you know, like there's just all this stuff. over
0: to McDavid back to the, it, no, 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 that's the. Yeah.
1: But like there's little, little descriptive things that each guy has. That is just cooler. Like it, it, it makes it a cool sport to call and the pace and everything. I actually do have a funny story because I was watching the game last night and I was I was talking to my buddy who played for him a long time ago, right? And he came to visit. We've already touched on this, but there was one of the young dudes on the team gave me his number. Yeah, and you know, my buddy was like, "Do you really know him?" I'm like, "No, not at all." But I was like, "I could just say like, hey, you know, we're going to the game because I think he lives near me too." And he didn't text me back. And so my buddy who's retired thinks it's the funniest thing ever. He's like, this this dude who's like a cool guy on the <laughs> hockey team didn't text you back because he's just like, oh, this guy's going to want to like hang out, which could actually happen to me too. So I'm aware of like what it is. And so now I'm just going to keep texting him to make my friend laugh because I know he's never going to respond. So be like, great shift, bro. <laughs>
0: You know what my kids call this? I'm going to bring you into the minds of the teenagers. On Snapchat, you can tell if your stuff's been read. So if I send you a snap yeah. and they call it undelivered, so they'll like, Ben will have some girl that he likes, which by the way is every week and be like, ah, she undelivered me last night. I'm like, what's that mean? It's like I sent her something. She just didn't open it. Didn't open it. So undelivered is a big teen logo lingo thing right now, where it's like if so if somebody undelivered you, you have to kind of read into what the what the purpose of. Did they not get to it yet? Or did they get to it or they're trying to make a statement or are they waiting you out? It's become the new how many days do I have to wait until I, I call person X? Right. Now it's like the up, oh, I sent the snap, undelivered. Why is it undelivered? That's weird. And it's like the new power play right now. I think I represented that correctly.
1: Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. I mean, obviously you could have people. I just think there's psychopaths that would have read receipt on like notifications on their texts. You know, when somebody will say like, you know, they look at my text and says read. I'm like, wow, living, living dangerously.
0: I have my, my thing set. So it it can't say that I read a text. Right. You could turn that off. Like most people. Yeah. I think that's like the normal way to do it. Yeah, the read is either a power play or somebody doesn't know to use their settings.
1: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a lot of like, I don't know how to turn it off. The other one now is like the the do not disturb thing that like Oh,
0: your all, notifications have been yeah. silenced. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get and that then, either. Does that mean I'm not supposed to text you? And why are you texting me back if all your notifications have been silenced? So you silence yeah. all your notifications, but you're glancing at your phone all the time? Exactly, so like, do you want me to think you're important? But then
1: you're just you just have a like a purple thing that's saying, "Hey, I'm not taking messages," and then you're taking them all.
0: So I I, I I asked my kids about that too, and they said it's that just that button that silences your phone. I think that's why it says everything's been silenced. I pretty sure. All right, we'll, it makes, we'll be it, it back feels- on old guys talking about technology <laughs> after this.
1: <laughs> no, um, what kind of antenna are you using now? <laughs>
0: um Miami Celtics who are you picking Boston I am too I don't feel awesome about it but I think I think Boston Milwaukee and Phoenix are the three best teams and I'm not sure about Phoenix which is will be so great about this part too now right now it's 419 the game is still a while away from starting 419 Pacific time um There's a chance the Suns are just an awesome home team and just for whatever reason right now, shaky on the road. But if you just study their home stuff, they're okay. You know, and they're home tonight and they have home court in every series. And they might be okay. With that said, I said this to you last week and you didn't know if I was being reactionary or not about that game three and four. I just thought it was weird where Dallas just, I thought completely handled them in a way that alarmed me. And I still feel like, you know, if the Celtics can somehow get to a Phoenix series, I think the Celtics could win a game there. So Phoenix is going to have to solve this uh, this weird road thing. I don't get it. Chris, I don't know what's going on with him. It's 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 like the hockey thing where it's like, I know something's wrong with Hockey Superstar X, but they're not telling us. And then the series ends. and They're like, he had a broken collarbone the whole time. I don't know if Chris is nursing an injury or is just wearing down. What's your take? Oh, man. I guess we're going to find out tonight. I guess I'm stepping on game seven.
1: but D, I'm, a, D, I'm a wreck, by the way. I'm, I'm well, ready will be for tough. this. Yeah, five, I'm not ready for this. Five
0: series where you lose the 2 us. I guess we'll wait till part two to talk about it. But um, Boston, I think, has the best team right now. We can agree on that. It doesn't mean they're going to win the finals, but the way they're playing is the best. I just think
1: so much of this Phoenix team, I do. Me but too. But now I'm shook. I'm just shook because... You know, game three, you could say, well, Paul, you know, had a million turnovers, actually settled down in the second half, they lose, gets all the fouls, fouls out in game four. And then game five, I was like, you know, they won that game, but he wasn't very good. So the game five, I was legitimately like worried. And then in game six, when he went down with a hand thing, yeah, and he took forever to get up again, and the way he looked when he went back to the bench, I go, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And Now that completely changes the way you frame any Phoenix conversation. Because even if they do get game seven,
0: you know, I feel like, I don't know. Well, we'll we'll learn today. If he he might put up like a 27 and 12, we'll be like, okay, Chris Paul's fine. We'll see with Booker because Booker was the one I thought, especially in this series, I thought he'd have, I don't think he's as good as Tatum, but I thought he would have moments where like, oh, add him to the next generation conversation. Quickly, Golden State Memphis. I, there was a moment during that Golden State Memphis thing where I was starting to wonder if this was going to go badly. It, it had a feel, and I was in the in the house for this, Celtics-Knicks, 1990, Game 5, where the Celtics won the first two and the Knicks won the next three, including Game 5 in the Boston Garden. Bird missed a reverse dunk. Ewing hit the three in the corner, where it was like, wait, we're not really going to lose to these guys, are we? And then all of a sudden, you're losing. it. Started to take on that feels where you're going, wait, they're not going to... Dylan Brooks isn't going to have 50 points in this game, is he? Like, are they going to blow this? And Golden State's throwing the ball out of bounds. They're throwing it sideways. Then they finally started making some threes. The thing that would alarm me if I was a Golden State fan was um, how sloppy they are with the ball, and I still don't know who their five is. Who's their five for you? Well, My it's season's the on four. the line. Who Who's playing?
1: Oh, I think it's Poole and Looney out. So, Green, mm-hmm. Wiggins,
0: Curry, Clay. I don't know. That's not going to fly in these next two series. They're going to need more size. They ended up playing Looney
1: 35 minutes in game but Looney six.
0: had, he does the separate ones. What do he have, 20 rebounds?
1: 22. 11 offensive rebounds. They had 70 rebounds in this game.
0: It's a weird team. They're they're kind of two eras happening at the same time where they have this really, really, I think, interesting young core, right? With with Poole and Kaminga. Everybody loves Moody. Like by all accounts, Moody's the real deal. He just can't get playing time right now. And then Wiggins is relatively young. So you have that. And then you have this clay. I, I have no idea what I'm getting from him game to game. Draymond offensively is just bizarre at this point, like the fact that he's not shooting anymore. And Steph is still really, really, really impactful and awesome. But I don't, I don't think you could say he's where he was in the 2015 to 18 range. He could show the, you know, extended flashes of it. But he's 33 years old. I don't, I just don't think he's at the tail end of his prime at this point. His prime might last for a long time. But you know, I just think it's a it's an odd team. Sometimes that'll happen where you have like this older core and then this younger core that's ready to come up. The ninety one Celtics had that when they had the Shaw and D. Brown and Reggie Lewis. They weren't quite ready yet. And then on the flip side, the Bird McKeel Parrish were too old. So I don't know what to make of it. Like today they were the favorites to win the title. I don't think they're gonna win the title, do you? I don't. I haven't felt that way
1: about I ha- well, <laughs> actually, I did an open right when they had that week, remember they had beaten Denver and Boston was coming in, right? Yeah. They started figuring some things out. And I did an open, and I never do it like this. I did it, I taped it the day before for whatever reason so that we were going to be like quicker to go with the podcast the next morning. And my whole thing was like, print the shirts, I'm all in. Like I had Hmm. this, this window where I was like, this team's awesome again. They can win the title and that was the whole deal. Curry gets rolled by Marcus Smart like three hours later. Uh, and I call Kyle. I'm like, hey, just take it out and I'll figure it out. And we'll see Kyle's at a bar.
0: He's like, wait, what? Hold on. Can I call you back at 10? I just, <laughs> you know, put a in, I just put in five songs in the frolic
1: room. Hold on. Like I'm on the eighth hole in Golden Tee. <laughs> uh, Can you hold
0: on? I'm minus seven right now.
1: So he takes it out, and, and from that point on, I was kind of like, remember how weird you felt about Golden State there for a couple of weeks? Like, that was a real thing. It was culminating. I was like, okay, now I have this open. I'm going to do this whole thing. Look, they never take care of the basketball. I did this on Thursday. They always turn the basketball it was, How you about know.
0: Friday night was the worst version of that?
1: It's, it's a they, joke. It
0: looked like they had, like, smoked bath salts for three quarters. You have <laughs> but that, they did it. When they well, were
1: winning, they were one of the worst turnover teams.
0: And then Just, you have the the Wiggins piece. I just, if anyone can figure that dude out game to game, good luck. Yeah. How do you know? How do you know quarter to quarter? What motivates him? What fires him up? Like, he literally is the cat. He just jumps on your lap, and then he's gone. It's like, where is he? Oh, he's out in the woods. Oh, he's back. <laughs> he wants to be fed. They, his nickname th- should be the cat.
1: Do you it's think like, oh, they Wiggins want... Oh, Wiggins
0: jumped on our lap today. Whoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you think, Wow. Do you think they want Dallas for obvious reasons or matchup reasons?
0: I honestly they might want Phoenix. You're that off of Phoenix now. No, I'm not off of Phoenix. I just think if Dallas wins this game tonight, now this is stupid because anyone listening to this, they'll already know what happened. But if Dallas wins that game today, I would be way more afraid of Dallas, like just coming out of like winning in Phoenix game seven with Luca. He would assume Luca would have some amazing game. Um I don't know Phoenix. They played them a bunch of times. I think they probably feel like they can match up with them, and if they hit shots, they can beat anybody. So I think they would have some form of confidence. Who guards Luke on Golden State? Wiggins. Yeah, it's not awesome. They'll
1: get switched. They'll probably try to attack Clay. I'm sure Draymond probably get a get a chance at him, right? Like you think? yeah i I doubt he's like again you know the starting assignments are are different than the other ones, but yeah, Dallas ended up being a lot better than I thought. you know Dallas was kind of like a weird Boston story in a weird way, where when you look at some of the numbers after the trade deadline, like the only team that had a better record than Dallas was Boston, and then I would always point out that even though the record was great, there were some other numbers that I didn't really like that were kind of baked in there, you know, like they had this great record, but there were some other stuff that didn't look all that great, and um them getting game six, them getting game six at home, I was just like, all right, you know, I give up. <laughs> I submit that Dallas is better than I
0: thought they were. Shit, we should wrap this up so people can listen to it. Game When we do part two, which will be after Suns-Mavs, we'll hit that. We'll talk about that matchup of whoever comes out of against the Warriors. And we got to hit Harden. You haven't been able to talk about, have you talked about Harden on any platform since, the, no, no. since that game? So I know you got some stuff saved up for that. And uh, and then we'll do a couple more things. So, part two coming later tonight. This is produced by Kyle Creighton. As always, I oh, always got his heart to start and cheat. Thanks to Steve Ceruti and Dylan Burkey. We will see you for part two, probably about two hours after that, uh, that Mavs game Enjoy. I wanna see them wanna